Hi everyone, Sam here. We at Pot Against the Machine support the fundamental right of bodily autonomy and people's right to choose. The Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and decades of precedent and established law is abominable. It's hard news to take, but there are steps that can be taken to start making things right or closer to right again. If you're looking for a cause to donate to at uh, this time, I suggest going to donationsforabortion.com. They have an itemized list of charities for all various different states, so you can find exactly the right cause to uh, put your money towards to try to get the maximum positive effect. You can also go to uh, map.wewontgoback.com to find protests popping up in your area. There have been a lot of events over the last weekend, and I'm sure more will be organized in the coming days. Uh, I also encourage you, since this is primary and election season, to look into the candidates running in your area. Uh, check what their stances are on abortion and on the overturn of Roe v. Wade and uh, possible actions going forward in order to help you choose the right person to vote for. And um, if you are in need of assistance finding a way to get access to an abortion right now, you can go to abortionfinder.org. I believe that was set up by Planned Parenthood as a way to help people find places to uh, go in the states that are most affected by the Supreme Court decision at this time. Uh, also, uh, we at Pot Against the Machine are going to be doing a uh, live stream uh, return of the Brian identity, uh, I believe on July 5th. We're going to be raising money for one of the funds set up to help people travel and cover medical expenses and the various life expenses required um, to relocate in order to get access to an abortion in a state that still uh, supports them. So keep an eye out for that. And um, uh, we as a, a people, I think, will get through this and it, the fight is by no means over. This is Pot Against the Machine. Pot Against the Machine. Welcome back to Pot Against the Machine, the only actual play podcast where the mommies are mean and medium, and that's the point. I'm your host, and here's everybody. Hello again, Keith. <laughs> Hello, Keith. Doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Keith. Hello, Keith. Hey, Keith. For those at home, there are, um, like, nine Keiths in our... Nine, yeah. Um, <laughs> visible in our Skype window, so... It's not weird. You're weird. Nine visible Keiths episode title acquired. Jeez. Nailed it. You really got to worry about the ones you can't see. It's like raptors. Uh, when last we left our heroes, they had an interesting business-like meeting with South Duke the uh, Gargoyle, where he asked them a bunch of questions about the technology they had, any associations they had with... Um, female presenting androids and um everybody got along pretty well much to dolga's relief then we had a shopping interlude that was a totally normal amount of time and nothing was cut and then um and they stopped by for charlie the lizard folks for some chunk tubes and chickens and had dinner with the uh smith family and um I think where we left off, Vargas had just left the table after um, talking a bit about how um, well Kira handles herself in combat, and uh, Brixby followed him out. Kira's mother had just expressed her nervousness but support about uh, Kira, you know, going off adventuring some more. And uh, that's where we are now. Yeah, uh, what room would he have gone into? I'm going to assume uh, Sage's Kira room. Knows what He's her in the house chicken room. <laughs> He's in Toby's room, and there's just posters of Lightning Face all over the wall with his cape on. 
Yeah, so I think uh, if Brooks comes in there, he sees uh, Vargas is uh, sitting in, I'm assuming, uh, either a very nicely upholstered chair or one of those ones that looks like a big hand and nothing in between. Uh, and he's just kind of looking at his tattoo on his arm, just kind of quietly. Uh, Brixby, before leaving, I uh, didn't include this in the end of last episode, but he does one of those magician-style like removal of the tablecloth things from the, the child's table, uh, the kid's table that he's at, just whoop, pulls it out and walks in, sees Vargas looking at his tattooed arm, and is like, hold on, hold on, right, I, I've got the cloth. We can put it down first. Uh, that's what we're doing, right? Look up and say, what? What oh, are you talking about? When you usually leave, you cut one of your appendages off. Like an antisocial starfish. It's just a... I'm, I'm okay. I just needed needed some fresh air. It smells the child's room. <laughs> Interesting take on the concept, but opens the window. <laughs> the sound of the chickens pour in, covering our conversation. No, but seriously, you don't look, um, well, you don't look like you're all here. What's going on? Nothing. I'm fine. Just with the conversation out there, uh, Kolak can do whatever she wants. It's up to her. She's clearly proved herself well in battle up until now. Bricks doesn't say anything at this because he thinks there's more to come. So he just kind of sets himself down and waits. Do you need something? What or is the meal still going on? Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I um, you know how I am with chunk tubes. I just blow through the things. I even ate the kids when he wasn't looking. But uh, listen, um, you know, we haven't known each other for very long and I'm not necessarily the most forthcoming i get it i uh i use humor as a deflection and you use a literal large metal arm so we have our defense mechanisms i get it but something's been going on with you since you know and don't get me wrong i had my head messed about in in scrap wall as well maybe not as um physically is yours sorry that might be a little rough humor but <clears throat> i just i know things aren't right you say we haven't known each other long and that's true but i feel like i have your measure i have a question this might seem to be out of nowhere but you remember when we found the Technic League wizard, I'd guess you call him, locked up under the arena. I saw how uh, Asher and Kira looked finding him, but it was harder to read on you. What did you think of that situation about what the Lords of Rust were doing in keeping someone like that prisoner? I mean, suppose you couldn't find a nicer bloke to stuff inside a room and force to recharge all your batteries, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not the moral compass of this party. I could go get Asher. You know how I feel. I, uh, some people get what's coming to them. And, um, I don't know everyone in this Technic League, but I did get to know everyone in the Lords of Rust, and I would say that, well, if it was my call, and it was uh, maybe someone a little less detestable that had him in that room, not quite sure I'd save him. Technic League are responsible for a lot of blood spilled in this cursed land. Blah. Switches gaze over to his other arm, the metal one, and say, You're right, some people do get what they deserve. 
What would you say if, theoretically, you knew someone else who had once been perfectly fine with keeping members of the Technic League as hostages, forcing them to repair their technology? Hmm. Well, I think it depends on what they're repairing the technology for. I'm a bit more, shall we say, I, it, it, it's, I'm a bit more utilitarian with my, uh, my morality, mate. I, uh, I do believe in the greater good, even if it's ugly. This he'll, uh, he'll actually look at you for the first time and say, say I give you a tall tale here. Say... Our story has a young, bullheaded idiot who decides to follow a slightly younger, even more bullheaded dreamer. This dreamer decides he wants to rebuild a fallen empire. To do so, he needs a new seat of power. He convinces his slightly older companion that to do this, they need to take over his city through means that our hero never questions. He finds himself at the disposal of a number of mechanical homunculi. He's told he's meant to use these for training, to teach his people how to fight the kind of things they'd run across in this city. He's also given over a handful of not exactly the most well taken care of former residents of that city in order to maintain these automatons so that his training doesn't run out of them. The other older members of their group decide they don't want to risk their warriors on this pipe dream, so instead he's put in charge of basically children, men and women not much older than the girls in that other room, some even younger. He decides that this is his moment to prove himself. He puts them through this training and several of them are not able to complete it fatally. What would you think of this kind of person? Well, mate, I don't want to jump to conclusions. But I would think he's, uh... He's rather exceptional for not only serving as the prisoner, but the jailer in this situation. In a cell of the past, he can't escape. And he holds your gaze at this point. He won't let you look away. I... I'm a slippery one, right? Yeah. But I know that there are some bars you can't get past. Even when, paradoxically, you're holding the keys. Vargas. I'm gonna give you advice I struggle to take myself. You need to forgive yourself for all of our sakes. One of the most powerful men I know. But that doubt, that poison, it eats at you. It erodes one of the most natural, easy leaders I've ever met. It leaves you rough. There's been times in my past where I've taken up leadership. It's never ended well. I think, as far as our group goes, Asher is much more suited to leadership than I am, but 
he's also a much better man than I am. And I hope you don't take this as a slight, but I feel like he's a better man than either of us. Partially to his own detriment. There are certain things that I worry he won't be able to bring himself to do if he needs to do them. And I know that Kira would not be able to do it. She's too green still. There's things happening, things that cause me to think I may not be able to come with all of you to Idenvay. And things like the conversation in that other room make me think on it even more. There are things that I think if I had learned in the past, had admitted about myself, if I had been less stubborn, less sure of my own immortality, of my own righteousness, wouldn't have happened. The issue with Olak and Garl and others who you don't know and never will was on the smaller end of the sins I have committed in my past. I think now I may have a chance to atone for that and to help if not our group possibly Numeria at large but I'm at a crossroads. I think if I continue on the path I'm currently on, all that lies ahead is death and destruction for those who would follow the path with me. I think I know that I need to I need to go somewhere else and it's a journey I have to make alone. Is there something, though, that I can ask of you, Brixby? Of course, anything. Will you... When we go back in there, nothing happened. I... I just needed to step outside. The four of us are still the very capable four. There is nothing else going on. I need you to help me convey that to everyone else in that room, and I need you to cover for me in the morning. I need you to convince the rest of the group that we'll all be meeting up together in Idenvay. By the time they realize I'm not with them, they need to have no choice but to continue on, Kira especially. She, that girl, is going to be something incredible one day. But she's also almost as stubborn as I am. If she knows that I'm going somewhere else, she's going to try to follow. I need you to make sure that that doesn't happen. It's interesting. I've deceived plenty of traveling companions before, not for good reason. For gain or for deeper understanding of my own mysteries, the things I grapple with in the dark, just like you, Vargas. But what I also know so while Numeria needs good people, as you said, it also needs us. And our hero's path, our heroic path, our struggle may not look like the most valiant course of action. But I know that what you're doing, what you know in your heart of hearts, is 
the best that you can for this cursed land. So I will, I will lie for you, Vargas Nelclan. If you promise me that this isn't some old plains dog going off to die, you are stronger than that. And I refuse to empower that weakness. He'll uh, meet your gaze completely serious unsmiling if I were going off to die I would have done that a long time ago I think what's happening is for the first time in 25 years I'm going off to live alright yeah let's uh let's get back in there Let's go. He'll uh, stand up and kind of clear his throat and nod to you and follow you back in. Wow, that uh, that evoked a little tear there. That was that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that got me. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna drop yeah. a sky medal on that one for Mister Jero and um, Mister Zach for that. Poignant, poignant. Thank you. Conversation there. We're not crying. All the listeners are crying. <laughs> oh no, I've been sobbing for ten minutes. I don't know how I'm going to edit this episode. It's such a bad idea. <laughs> uh, and that's why you crazy old goat. I'm not letting you cut off your darn leg on the bed of this sweet boy. You'll have to do it at the foundry, as you're accustomed. Just take a seat at the table. The man is on this man. He whispers to one of the live chickens still running around on the floor. <laughs> I'm still not entirely sure I see exactly where you're coming from, but I will respect the point you made. And he'll uh, sit back down in front of his uh, cold plate of... Uh, oh God, I forgot already what we're eating. It was beet... The puff Beet strudel. Oh yeah, pastry. Yeah, puff pastry. <laughs> yes. My notes are most copious when we're eating dinner with the Smiths. <laughs> As well, they should be. This is the the most important stuff. Having beet loaf stuck in my head, but that's what Zach <laughs> retroactively claimed we had the time before. It's a sixteen total sense motive on this whole. Vargas stood up in the middle of a conversation. Apparently to go you. cut off his arm. We were out there for like a good five <laughs> minutes. As the one that yeah. made the lie, let's go. Let's let's do this. You're more than welcome to try to 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 aid. Yeah, Vargas. I'll see if I can aid with my negative four here. Oh yeah, that's an eleven. Wow. That's an eight. It's a nat twenty for a twenty-eight as well. So that makes that a thirty in total. Just ideal. <laughs> Asher 100% believes Vargas was going to cut his leg off in the, <laughs> I mean, in the kid's room. Vargas has come a long way from being under the blanket. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> He'll just shake his head and, and, and say, I don't mean to be rude, but of all the times to be motivated to do so, perhaps next time we could wait until not in the middle of a meal. Yeah. Uh, just... Spur the moment. Yeah, try to get a. I'm gonna say more than that because then Sam's gonna make me roll. <laughs> <laughs> try to get a leg up on this whole situation, eh? <laughs> get a kid. He's like, "Where's the tablecloth?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to think that Brixby uh, put it around the neck of one of the other chickens. <laughs> so the it's too dragging behind it. <laughs> it's just one tiny chicken dragging an eight foot long. <laughs> well, this was the children's tables tablecloth. Yeah, so it's gonna be like probably four only feet. like a four foot. Four feet. Okay, yeah. that's much more realistic. So another Thank cape. You. Yep, <laughs> that's it. Multiple cape chickens just running around. Here. And Toby's just out in the yard now, running around with chickens. Mm, is everything okay? I mean, sorry for interrupting dinner. Yeah, it is now. It would have been a, 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 a lesson in Kellett anatomy and physiology for the boy, but thankfully we spared him that extracurricular uh, lesson there. 
Not rolling another bluff check. I got a minute 20 already. I think with that, like, super awkward interruption, even Asher's a little awkward, and we'll just kind of, you know, poke at his strudel and munch on the chunk tube. Yeah, I think maybe the um, combined awkwardness of the sort of nervous parenting and the um, everybody's sort of weird pseudo-familiarity and um, then the, the Vargas incident, uh, the meal's probably pretty quiet from there on out. Asher does a suspicious <laughs> cultural dance around the table. <laughs> no it's the exact thing. same dance before the entire time he's locked eyes with Bruce and Vargas. <laughs> and no, with that sex. with that role, he does he's not suspicious at all. Maybe confused, but that's fairly normal. He got a headband of charisma, not intelligence. Yeah, but that's the bluff skill. <laughs> Which I will say again, he has a pot he has a plus one in modifier. He's not a <laughs> He's just out of his element. Well, uh, you are, as always, consummate hosts. And I encourage you to enjoy your leftovers and or pet. We we thank you for um, coming. This was illuminating as always. And um, thank you for all you've done to look after our Kira and, and for the town of Torch, of course. Do you want to sleep over? I'm assuming no one wants to sleep over. <laughs> but I figured I'd offer. I, uh, I mean, I told him he can cut off a limb when we get home, so I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> a little <laughs> Rare <punchy>. to go. <laughs> Sassaduke standing outside. I could, I could sleep over if no. <laughs> no, never. And Mylon Radley calls down from upstairs. This bed's taken. <laughs> Forgot about Radley for his bed. Jumping at the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I, I do appreciate the offer truly, but I feel like for all of the open beds in the foundry that remain so well. Some of us occupied Master Bane's personal home. A few coppers thrown his way is certainly the least I can do. Okay, well, I'll bring beet pancakes for breakfast tomorrow, and we will definitely come up with a place to meet like we have every other time. Oh, that's actually a rather good idea. Where and when should we meet? (laughs) Kira abruptly turns and leaves the room. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Canonically, we can't establish this before we go to bed. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, does anybody have any preference of where we meet tomorrow? I might need an extra, I don't know, uh, hour or so to sleep off this beat hangover, this beat over, as it were. So, yeah, we're going to meet at Charlie's in the morning for a, a two for toil day. Um, <laughs> oh, breakfast biscuits? Mm-hmm. Breakfast yeah. biscuits. The early bird Ooh, like gets chicken the biscuit. Bagels. Yeah, chicken bagel. But the it's actually so the way that it is, it's not a a bagel that has chicken on it. It's a bagel made of chicken, um, mm. the discarded chicken, uh, oh mechanically God. separated chicken <laughs> that is then just formed into a bagel. Conventional boiling, normal. You're, just, you're secretly just trying to get everyone else to stop eating chicken. <laughs> Which I appreciate that it's boiled and not baked because a real bagel is boiled. Absolutely. Write in if you disagree and we will bar you from listening to our podcast. We okay. will. Uh, <laughs> Remember, Ed, at Charlie the Lizard Folks Chicken Emporium, you always get more cluck for your buck. Mm-hmm. And then he runs away because he was... Hanging out outside of the Smiths as well. Everyone is so bored because all the businesses close early. (laughs) Everyone's just standing in front of this house. All right. Are we separating for the night? Or like forever? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my God, I'm so sad. Why would you say that? I wouldn't. (laughs) Let's just go. All right, so no one says a, a, any sort of a poignant goodbye because there'd be no reason for that. 
right? Nope. Yeah. Totally normal. See you in the morning. Bye. Well, as you all go to bed for the night in your various places, I assume Kira at her family's house, um, Asher and Brixby at the foundry, um, the appropriate foundry for staying over, and Vargas. Um, yeah, Vargas breaks into the other foundry, the uh, <laughs> one with all the tools and stuff in it, and sleeps in there again. One Second last time. <laughs> one last time sleeping in an inappropriate foundry. Um, well, Brixby, you're asleep in your bed in the foundry. You know you're asleep in your bed in the foundry. And you're having a dream. You know, something unremarkable. Maybe you're riding Nathan and you suddenly realize that you haven't gone to philosophy class all semester. But, you know, it's the sort of stuff where you still basically know that it's a dream. And you know you're asleep. But there's... There's something else going on. A series of sensations. Happening to you, but also not happening to you. Your eyes are open. And you're floating in this clear and slightly pink-tinted liquid. And beyond it is a rounded glass wall. Like like it's some kind of fish tank. And anxiety has to surge in you as you realize that you're completely submerged in this liquid. There's no way for you to breathe. You can reach out and pound on the glass in front of you, but the liquid blunts your movements, and you can't generate any real force. The best you can muster is a series of dull thuds. And the seconds march on, and you should be suffering from lack of oxygen, but it doesn't seem to be bothering this other you. You can't tell if you're breathing this liquid or if you just don't breathe. And somewhere in your head, you're still in a bed, still asleep, still having a dream that isn't whatever this is. Outside the tank, you can see walls. They're wrong. There's bits of stone wall, like you're in a cave, interspersed with metal panels with blinking lights and rivets and things like the ruins of a skyship. But the bulk of the walls is this amorphous pulsating flesh-like structure that seems to shift, flex, and contract and grow like it has a will of its own. Moisture beads on these surfaces, making them glimmer in the dim electric light. Then a figure stumbles into view. It's towering, four-armed, thin and pale. It reminds you of Hetwath in a way, but clad in Androphan-style gear, and its flesh isn't rotting. It looks alive rather than undead, but still fundamentally wrong, like a badly articulated puppet. It's staggering across your sightline, moving in sudden jerky motions as it takes a meandering path over to you. Now it's staring at you, a large oblong head cocked to the side, featureless black eyes locked on yours, gazing into you. It's closing in like a predator, looming, reaching out with four pale arms. In seconds, its face is even with yours, arms pressed against the glass. It says nothing, betrays nothing with its expression, just watches as you float there, helpless. And then it's gone. You're asleep in your bed, dreaming that if you kick your legs just right after you jump, you can stay aloft indefinitely. And it's almost like flying. Almost. God. <laughs> that was creepy. Yeah. I'm getting like past live visions from someone who was on one of the ships. Yeah. Oh my god. In the tank. Uh, despite all my fear, I'm still just a rat in the here, the tank. <laughs> that is that is oh my god. That is horrifying. That actually scared me, Zach the player, a little bit, too, because it sounds like a terrible nightmare that I would have as well. So, wow. Uh, I almost said Sky Metal, but I can't take that back, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> well, um, the rest of the night um, passes as normal. Um, and I assume nothing weird happens in the night with anyone else. Does he remember that when he wakes up? Yeah, I think so. That's creepy. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, yeah, I'm imagining the first thing he does is that like mime esque press against the yeah. the glass that the isn't glass there. That isn't oh. there. Oh. Oh. I think before the sun is up, it's already established. Vargas always wakes up like stupid early, both because he's old, even though he's actually not that old. I always play him like he's a freaking. 90 year old. Oh, he's so old. Uh, but he's like, yeah, wakes up at 35. Wakes up at 4 a.m. because he's got a bad prostate. Uh, he gets up at his usual time, uh, wakes up screaming like he usually does, and he uh, sits down. Instead of doing his like morning reflections like he usually does, you see him pull out some sheets of parchment, uh, folds one up to make basically an envelope, and writes something in two other ones. One of them in common, another one in a different uh, language. Uh, The language actually that's in his spellbook. And he puts both of the notes into the little makeshift envelope puts uh, you see him take off his amulet of natural armor and he takes his Iun stone that he bought the day before out of his pocket uh, folds the notes around them puts it all into the envelope and then on the front he draws a stylized picture of a rat being punched and uh, he just sets the envelope down uh, where he had been sleeping uh, right underneath, like Brooksby said, the old stains that Connor still is not able to get out of the uh, walls. And then he is going to uh, pack all of his things up and head out of town as quietly as he can in the direction of the Selen Hills. So kind of back to where we came, right? Like northwest? That's 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 Yeah, that sort of like. back out the direction that he originally came to town from, yeah. Well, it's morning now, the sun's up, and no one's traumatized. <laughs> so for the other three of you, I mean morning comes approximately as normal. Only one of you know um, ahead of time that Vargas isn't there. Brix is gonna swing by. He's gonna do that thing first where you wake up after like a night where you didn't rest particularly well, but you know you're not going back to bed either. So you just sit there and you stare at the ceiling and you do it for as long as your body allows you to lay in bed. And then almost to his amulet, he says, all right. Let's go. Regains composure. And he heads out to the foundry building that Vargas slept in last night. I think it's pretty clear from the outset that Vargas is is not there. Yeah, no. Not smelling the the pungent, irony sense of blood or uh, hearing just general old man noises from inside. Just like, maybe some peeing with the toilet seat up and leaving it up and everything else. He's just like, the natural ambiance is gone. No, he knows. So he opens the door slowly, but he's not looking up yet. He's almost trying to prolong the moment that Vargas still could be there. And when the door is fully open and there is no inquisitive grunt in response to his presence, which he's come so used to in these past like, three and a half weeks. His eyes fall to where Farkas had slept. And I assume he sees these envelopes um, with a with a pummeled rat, <laughs> as is the uh, pictograph that he prefers, the cartouche, to speak to the Osirian um, Perhaps it is an Osirian cartouche of a rat being punched. Um, And uh, he opens the envelope. He shuts the door. And then he sits down and he opens the envelope. And it shouldn't surprise anyone, but 
the note inside barely fills up about a tenth of the page. Uh, Vargas was never really a man for words, um, which doesn't mean that he hasn't conveyed great meaning. But um, in essence, he's he's asked Brixby to come up with a more plausible reason for why he's left than the one that he would come up with himself. And then behind that is uh, another page that doesn't completely make sense to Brixby. And while he might have the skills to start to kind of dig into it, I'm talking about linguistics, he doesn't want to. He's not feeling particularly scholarly right now. He needs to vote all 19 of his intelligence to convincing the two other people in this party um, that what happened needed to happen. And by lying to them, by doing that. So he looks at the page that he can read one more time. And then he immolates it using a cantrip. He takes the other page he can't understand, along with the two items that were secreted in it, that he knew what they were the moment before he touched them. And he just puts them in his pouch. Straightens himself up and he heads out of the room to go and get Asher. So you're sleeping in the other, other foundry building. <laughs> yeah, Asher uh, woken up and didn't think anything of anything. He's doing his normal morning, fixing one of the many, many broken guns, uh, bringing us down to only six broken pistols. It hasn't been that low in a long time. <laughs> uh, turns out when you don't have combat, you rarely misfire. Uh, and... Yeah, so he's just getting ready, you know, get your boots on. Kind of tries to comb out his beard. He hasn't had, you know, taken the time to do any sort of maintenance on it. Maybe he'll find a barber in town while he's waiting on his gun getting fixed. But by fix, he means enchanted. Uh, And yeah, so he would just... Kind of head downstairs and look to see if maybe Brixby's already outside before they head out to Charlie's. And he is. He is, uh, he is out in the uh, area between the three foundry buildings. And uh, you can tell that he, from the moment that you look at him, that he has a slightly concerned look on his face. Is, um, is everything all right, Brixby? You look slightly concerned. I, uh, I mean, I hope so. I think so. I, um, well, Vargas, Vargas wasn't there when I woke up this morning. Instead, uh, was a note. It was about as verbose as you would expect from Junk Punch. You see, something happened to him in Scrap Wall. He needs a little time before he comes back to us in the Ardenvay. There's something he needs to find. Shouldn't be long. He is coming. But he's asked that we head on without him and as you can probably imagine, that wasn't completely truthful about the nature of our conversation last night. But I, uh, his trust is important to me. And I know that whatever he's doing now is, is not only for the good of him, the good of us, the good of Nemaria, he will meet back up with us. And despite the fact that I was dancing around the edge of not needing to make a bluff check, he doubled down on the end. 
because that's what Vargu asked him to do. So, again, I will roll another opposition check against another player, which I don't love doing. It's a 14 on the die for a 22. I also had a 14 on the die, but it only comes up to an 18. So, it's pretty close, but far enough away. I mean, let's say for, for, for one, Asher believed you were fully truthful last night, so he is shocked. Uh, you nat 20 that bluff uh, yesterday, so he's like, oh, well, I did think it was certainly untoward to self-mutilate at the middle of a dinner party at someone's home, but he left you a note and he's just gone. I know he's not a man of many words, but Honestly, that's it's a little hurtful that he would, wouldn't speak to Kira and myself. He would just leave a note. It's... It's possibly because of my... Uh, maybe my limited capacity to feel. I'm being honest with you. You... Kira are moral and right. There's some understanding I had with Junk Punch. And I mean, this was hard for Brix. I mean, Brix is a, honestly, he's got a trait for it. He's a great liar. But um, there's a reason why he decided to keep the truth so close to the lie. Because he wasn't confident in his ability to convince you of something that would be too far away from that um, like any good liar would and uh, it's hard for him now to to be lying to Asher and it's even harder for him to hide how hard that is for him <laughs> um, left a really heavy weight for a tiny rat and uh, with that he puts a classic Brixby smile on his face and says well I believe it's Toil Day. And you know what that means at Charlie's. Yes, I'm... I'm aware you're, you're quite enthused about the promotion, but... And he's having a hard time. Uh, he he doesn't put on a classic Asher smile. Uh, he's... He's really sad. Uh, Vargas and I didn't always see eye to eye on his methods. I do believe you that he has his reasons for that I'm certain, but he just, he shakes his head like we, we just fought with his, uh, with his mother and his clans people to keep him with us after he literally died fighting alongside us and we brought him back and now he's just gone. He's not. We brought him back and the Vargas that we brought back was different. It was different than the man who was ready to watch. Numeria just turned back to dust. The man that abided the future placed on his shoulders. I don't pretend to know your story, Asher Halik, or the culture of the people that you come from. No more than even my people living about half a mile under his people in the Selen Hills understand each other. All I do know is our time together helped him grow and change in a way that is better for this this place kick some dust up he just he doesn't have to go alone he's not no clan anymore but he keeps acting like it and Ash, he just doesn't have any more words yeah Brixby is realizing that he is doing his best to 
bring someone to terms with something that he himself is not fully to terms with. And it's, um, it's not a position that he's comfortable with. He's not a parent. He doesn't know what that's like. So instead, it's the saddest march to the two for Tuesdays in Charlie's that you've ever seen. It's like, is this the energy we're going to breakfast with? No. Yikes. These people do not pay free 99 to cry. Listen, mm. we've all been to that breakfast where it's, it was supposed to be great and it's everybody's sad. <laughs> College, probably. Okay, but do we go to breakfast with this energy? Because that's really going <laughs> to depend how Kira approaches all of this. Well, Kira doesn't yeah. have that energy yet. She has not. She I mean, know. yeah, but she can see her friends. Are like, uh, what was it? A little concerned? Brixby is a little concerned. Up to you. Up to you. It depends on how you're coming into the breakfast. Because Kira's thrilled. She has beet pancakes to share. Morose, probably. I would say we went from a little concerned to morose with that last exchange. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Asher, he has his hat off in one hand, and he's just like kind of running his hands through the back of his hair. He looks like he is trying not to cry. Uh, that's the energy he is bringing to breakfast. Okay, so we think Vargas is dead. That is, that's, this is like you walk up and like, all right, he's gone. Great. Uh, cool. Well, so. I guess we're at the Charlie's and Kira's chilling outside. Um, with pancakes. I was going to say, he's going to see the two of them coming with up. With a bag of pancakes. Oh, looking like that. <laughs> looking pancakes out for three friends. Yeah, no, she's enough pancakes for four. Um... And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see Bricks and, and Ash, Asher walking up, um, and immediately clocks. Like I don't know. I think she would have. She can sense, you know, something is off. But she sees Asher with the hat off, and she's just the two of them, and is definitely immediately like, "Where's Vargas? What happened?" He left. He. Um... He needed to go. He's going to meet us in the Bay, he said. He didn't, he, he, what do you mean he left? He, he's returning his horse? He, when we brought Bacchus back, we brought back the man that we knew, but. We brought him back. I don't understand what the problem is. He's supposed to be here. He. Can't just... When we saw him talk to his mom, Big Stuff, his mother, we know that it's not the same Vargas that we have been traveling with. Something had changed. He, he, out of... It's like harder with Kira, because it's almost like trying to explain it to both your friend and your kid at the same time. Even though Brix and Kira are of similar age, he's just so world-weary for being a rat of his size and shape um, and age. So he... he um, <sighs> something changed in Vargas, and this is best. I... I couldn't stop him. He should meet back up with us, and we have to believe that he will. The most important thing is that we head to Yarden Bay. What? Was it his mom? And it's almost like she hasn't heard anything after he left. She didn't want him to come back, or she didn't want him with us. If if, if it's his mom, then we can we can find her still. We can we can go back and and make her give him back i will make her give him back she he can't just leave he wouldn't he we're gonna find that lady that he was scared of or or knows and and he said that he would find her with me he can't he wouldn't he still will but for now we have to show him love in the hardest way we possibly can. All three of us. 
in the way that is the least fulfilling, in the way that we don't understand at all. Because, well, I don't consider myself an expert on the subject, but my years on this blasted planet, that is the closest definition I have to love. I don't understand. Either of you, I don't understand. I know he has a good reason. I know we will meet up with him again. But... What matters is that I love and I trust Vargas Noclan. And I invite you both to do the same. And why did you let him go? I didn't. He chose to leave. He wouldn't, I mean, not only could I not physically stop the man, but he's been slipping from our grasp for the past few days. You can't tell me neither of you haven't felt it. We don't know each other well, in certain sense, but this last month, I feel there, there's no one else that walks Galarian that has seen a side of me that either of you have. I know that also applies to our friend. I need you both to look into your hearts and try to understand. The last time he was by himself, he... And Kira just like stops and shoves out this bag of pancakes like... I brought breakfast and we'll just drop it. And I don't know, not even like walk away necessarily. I don't think that's that's not going to be an impulse now, but just stare out anywhere but here. I wish I could tell you both that from the moment we referred to each other as the very capable fool that I knew that we were going to reach the end of the road together. But we know. We've seen, we've seen him taken from us before. Yes, that's what makes this that much more painful. But we need to know, now, before we go to Yadenvay, that what we do is bigger than what our heart wants, what our soul wants. <sighs> I've never been much of a hero, but I have to try for him. I'm not asking either of you to understand, see this in the same way. Feels like almost too big of a favor to ask of me in the first place. But you two have taught me a lot about love and a lot about strength. So I need you to help me understand this lesson together. Crying again. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm a rat on the internet. This isn't serious, but why am I crying so much? <laughs> I mean, that was that that was a uh, back-to-back, very emotional scenes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think um, while you're all standing there, just um, Marilyn Radley. Uh, creeps up and uh, says uh, free pancakes we giving out pancakes oh if he goes for that bag of pancakes Kira's gonna punch him in the face (laughs) non-lethally but she's gonna punch him right in the face (laughs) hey Mylan turns out we have an opening in our adventure (laughs) (laughs) it's a very capable three or no one you're locked in You can choose when you leave, but you cannot choose when you come back. Please, no, I can't do that voice. What's wrong? Everyone looks like somebody died. Did somebody die? I'll get my my shovel. She's going to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) This man is in danger. Uh, Bradley, do you know anyone in Yadenve? Brixby's just looking straight at the pancakes on the ground. Cricket legs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
an old student of mine. He, um, he's a, a grave digger, a mortician, a, a coroner. He's, a, he's a, not, not a, not a true priest of Phrasma, but a actus. We called him Cricket Legs because he, you know, had weird crickety legs. I don't know. He's, I don't know why we called him Cricket Legs. He sort of stares at the bag of pancakes on the ground for several seconds. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I could say that perhaps a um, letter of introduction to Cricket Legs would be worth short stack, tall stack, silver dollars if you like. I believe I could furnish you with a letter of introduction. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And he uh, snaps his fingers and goes, You know, there was the, the strangest fellow. He um came by several days ago. He was he was looking for Hellion. Um, I don't know if he's still around, but I... I, I told him to that Scrapwall was the place to go, but um, from what I hear, I may have steered him in the wrong direction. Uh, oh, oh well. Uh, b before you take your, um, well, I guess not ill-gotten, uh, good-gotten floor gains there, I, uh, could you describe that person a bit more for our own? personal edification it might distract us from our current circumstances and um he's still sort of staring at the pancakes on the ground for a second then he um he shudders and then he goes oh well you'll uh you'll know him when you see him he is he's not the type you can miss just Look for a sort of uh, a, a whole yellow situation. Did you get the vibe from this person that they're the sort to abandon their friends in the middle of the night, or do they seem more <laughs> trustworthy? Sky metal. Asher is a little bitter <laughs> and, and a lot hurt, and he's just kind of going through yeah, the no. whole emotional gamut right now. Oh, um, I just like to second that sky metal. <laughs> Care to spill a bit of that tea for an old man? <laughs> you already got your pancakes. You're not getting a drink. I see how it is. Well, don't mind me. <laughs> Take the bag of pancakes and get back in line for chicken. <laughs> just reaches in between one of our legs because it's easier to grab. Just... Gives us a little inside of the knees, whap a bap a bap a before going. <laughs> Catch on the flip side. I, I think, um, with everyone standing there, looking sad, right next to the line for two for toil days, bereft There's of... like a man in a chicken suit outside, <laughs> pretending not to have heard this whole conversation. Completely bereft of breakfast. Now that Mylan is left with the pancakes and um, you're not even in line and now it's just prohibitively long. Um, I think I'm going to bed. Everyone's so sad and hungry. <laughs> Keith, no. <laughs> All right, good night, Sam. Good night, Sam. <laughs> good night, Sam. Good night, Sam. Property of Network Against the Machine LLC, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods of Enterpath are property of Paizo Publishing. See their website for more details. Theme Against the Machine was written and performed by our own Zach. See the show notes for additional music and sound licensing. If you enjoyed the show, we encourage you to leave us a review. We don't have, what day is it? Uh, the day of the week is it? 
It's still the first of Rova, which I want to say is a Tuesday or the Galarian equivalent of a Tuesday. I thought right. we discovered... Oh, so is the month of Rova named after Rova God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? That would be like if we had a month called Satan Mass or something. Like, <laughs> Why don't Satan we have Denver? a month called Satan Mass? <laughs> Isn't it bad enough that February is only 28 days? Um, <laughs> they could have just made some of the 31-day months 30, and it would all be even. But anyway, um, <laughs> I thought we had established, it's very important to know, that it wasn't toil day because the whole like oh man two for toil day yeah but that was isn't even a play that was yesterday in game though so that's why we got two number ones today because it was a two for toil day okay (laughs) oh canon i'm sorry it was moon day tomorrow's toil day excellent we paid full price for both of these number ones (laughs) i hope you appreciate them i wonder if we can get the rights to the um end of the hulk thing for that oh yeah the, na, 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 na. it's that sad piano we can just make a chiptune version of it <laughs> that'd be great and also terrible yeah you're on it zach <laughs> oh god <laughs> you've got a week and a half you have so many assignments <laughs> you're, the, you're the music guy 